the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. <clears throat> money investing and more. Don't be shy. Markets have not done a lot in the last few days. Not much of anything. Major indices haven't moved up. Major stocks, market indexes haven't moved down. So very close to where we were three or four trading sessions ago. I think it's pretty fair to say it's like the summer doldrums. What are we going to do today, Mom? Ma'am, I'm bored. <clears throat> Volume's been light, which means the next direction could be aggressive either way. <clears throat> but particularly into selling because we've had a bit of a summer rally. Markets got in through the thick of the second quarter earnings report. A-okay. It is ingested and digested. You know, every central bank around the world basically saying, we're keeping things low or we're going to go lower with the borrowing costs, trying to stimulate, stimulate action that legislatures probably should be doing. So the craziness that is the elections in the United States, the market's not you know, getting sick and vomiting over. It could. So, I think the market is very aware of stretched valuations. I bought a stock yesterday that I feel is expensive, but I want it to get in. But I feel it's expensive, so I don't expect it to do much. Taking a step back right now, the market seems to be waiting for a new catalyst. And we're stuck in some trading ranges until then. So, the July employment report was strong and the markets reacted positively to it. So, that's kind of what we're looking at, right? That's the last big catalyst we had and we, we responded positively. Uh, what else can you say about the markets at this juncture here? Well, 
remember mom, what mom always said, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's uh, kind of where we're at. Uh, we're at the point now where we could probably say something along the lines of, well, at least we're not moving down. So, uh, there has been a lot of buyers. There hasn't been a lot of sellers. This is summer doldrums on the Wall Street. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Disney reported better than expected second quarter results, but it is uh, lower today as low growth for its media network segment and worries about tough comparisons for its studio entertainment businesses have kept enthusiasm in check. Yeah, last year they had this little film called The Force Awakens coming out. (laughs) This year they got the Rogue One. And Disney tries to say with a straight face something along the lines of, ah... We think there's a lot of interest in Rogue One. Now, keep in mind, Rogue One is what happened right before Episode 4. So, Episode 4 was, you might remember, the starts out with Princess Leia on the destroyer, and she puts the battle plans inside of uh, R2-D2 for how to destroy the Death Star. So, Episode 4 is all about how those battle plans got stolen. And Disney's trying to say with a straight face, everyone's really excited about this film. It's not going to be The Force Awakens. But, you know, what might be big for them is Frozen 2. Let it go, let it go. Uh, I have to imagine that song plays like in every therapist's office on a regular basis. In every marital therapist's office on a regular basis. Okay, you two, I want you to go home and I want you to be nice to each other. Give nice, gentle massages to each other. And play the, the soundtrack to Frozen. So, uh, Polo Ralph Lauren, top f- expectations on provided better than expected guidance. I think Polo Ralph Lauren's a great brand name stock. It was around when I was a little kid. I imagine it'll be around when my little kids have little kids kind of thing, right? Michael Kors is looking a little lower, 4% lower. Japan reported some better-than-expected core machinery data. Ooh! Did he just say Japan reported better-than-expected core machine datery? Datery? I kind of did. Um, and with that out there, that's not, like, exactly exciting, is it? Major European stock markets are slightly lower today. They had big gains yesterday, and it's just tough to say you get two big gains in a row. You know, some days the stock market gets this big, giant Sunday, an Iggy Piggy ice cream Sunday, And some days the market doesn't need it two days in a row. Oil prices are still playing around, um, not doing a lot. I'd say they're, they've been trending lower. But just when you say that, they seem to rally higher, but they seem to be trending lower. A weak inventory report from the American Petroleum Institute showed an unexpected build of 2.1 million barrels. And that means we're not consuming it. We're not, like, drawing down. There was a report out of OPEC signaling increased demand growth for 2016. The weekly inventory report from the Department of Energy uh, comes out today, and that's something we closely look at. I know you're saying, this sounds like a, like a snoozer. I should just hit snooze. I should just turn off the alarm and throw it away. Pretty much so, right? There's a stretch to make some news items sound bigger right now than they actually are, and I try not to do that. 
So I tend to go into like strategy mode or something else. People are starting to talk more and more about Apple, and Apple's campus is on lockdown this morning after three burglars were in the building. Doesn't it seem pretty crazy to be 21st century and you're a burglar? I get it years ago when people didn't have security systems, but in this day and age, I just don't get it. So everyone's starting to think, you know, what's the next Apple product going to look like, and what's the MacBook Pro going to look like? So Trump's in trouble again for some gun comments. Southwest said current quarter revenue per available seat would fall more than expected, ultimately tied towards a computer outage that canceled more than 2,000 flights. Uh, Michael Coors had a nice quarter. Revenue came in above expectations. Comparable same-store sales fell more than expected. It gave a very soft current quarter forecast. Tesla said one of its cars operating in autopilot mode had crashed in China and is investigating the incident. The driver claimed Tesla's sales staff sold the function as self-driving. That's not good when your marketing is all whack. Yum Brands. I always feel funny with this next phrase. Restaurant operator. Yum Brands. It's tough to think of Kentucky Fried Chicken as a restaurant, but I guess it's good in there. Their commercials are winning me over that their food is real food. So... Anyway, Yum Brand said it's going to receive a petition from consumer groups today calling for the KFC unit to stop its suppliers from routinely using antibiotics on its poultry. Um, KFC is fighting it, so which is kind of interesting because most other companies say, oh, we'll get rid of antibiotics by the year 2045. And you're like, did you just diss me and say that's 25 years from now? It, some companies are doing that kind of thing. Uh, Pacific Gas and Electric was found guilty of federal charges in connection with its 2010 natural gas pipeline explosion in California. That resulted in eight deaths and 58 injuries. The fine could be up to $3 million. That doesn't sound like a lot, does it? Eight people dying to get fined $3 million as a big corporation. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. 800-516-1220. Take your calls on the air. You know when politicians talk and they say something, you know, we're going to do this or we're going to do that and we promise you this and we promise you that. Uh, the areas that I always want them to spend money, if you're going to spend money, I tend to say let's not spend money unless we have to. And then once we start thinking about our issues, let's spend money. But traffic sucks, right? 
And one area that, that could improve our lives is by building better infrastructure. So when you take a look at it, about 86% of American workers commute by car every day. More than three out of four commuters drive alone. Typical auto commute spends 25.7 minutes driving to work each day. American drivers lose an average of 42 hours a year stuck in traffic jams. Traffic delays cost the typical American commuter $960 a year. That's about $38,400 over the course of your 40-year career. And sitting in traffic wastes an average of about 19 gallons of gasoline per commuter per year. Do the math on that, and you'll see. Fix the damn roads and bridges, please, government officials. Um, put the money there, please. Uh, especially in big cities, you just—it's—it's it's just mind-numbing, really silly. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, I get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls on the confusion that is mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, no-load funds, ETFs, A shares, B shares, C shares. Let's demystify a little bit. What do we need to know? Well, it's gotten harder because as fee-based financial planning has come into play, and that's where what most people want to end up with because of the fiduciary aspect of it, knowing what you're paying for is important. So when people have A, B, C, there's even Z-share mutual funds out there. you got to know what you these C and Z shares are kind of like these quasi fee-based programs. So when when advisors want to be fee-based, but they can't do it because of the current company that they work with, or they don't have the right licensing or whatever, they might use C share or Z share funds, which they look like they're no load because you don't pay anything to get into them, right. but their internal fees are often higher, um, and they often have kickback issues um, to the firms that you work with. So. You know, if you have an A share, a B share, a C share, or a Z share mutual fund, you're not in a no-load fund. You're in a loaded fund environment. A shares, you pay large sales charges up front in exchange for lower ongoing fees. So if you're investing less than 100000 a lot of times the, the front end loads on an A share, 5.75%. you got to get well more than that just to break even. Um, in a B share mutual fund, you don't pay anything going in, but your your money's often tied up right. for five to six years. And your fees are higher for five to six years, and then they eventually the fee structure drops down. So, um, again, it's usually you end up paying more in a B share, so I don't really like them. Okay. C shares, they're even higher than a B share in many cases, but the fees never drop, and they just pay the broker 1% every year. Um, and the problem with those A, B, C share and Z share funds is, is you're tied to the fund family. Right. So if you want to go from uh, large cap growth to a large cap value, you can only do it inside that fund family. You can't go outside of it without getting tied up again or paying another commission. So it's just not the right way to go. You want to be in the no-load fund environment or ETF environment that's out there. So typically I tell people you don't want to be in American funds. That's a fund family. You'd rather buy your funds at Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade where there's such big volume houses, their fees are lower than anywhere else. Is that a statement that is wise, or, or am I... Typically, like when it comes to American funds, though, that's a, it's been a pretty successful fund company, um, right. and they actually now have a share class for fee-based advisors called F-shares. So you might see an F-share fund pick. Um, I've used a fund in the past. I don't own any right now. But, yeah, I mean, you can go... If you, if you want to know what is truly a no-load, you can look at, um, say, a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab's website and see what the no-transaction, no-load funds are okay. that are there. And you can see that they have no uh, front-end sales charge and no deferred sales charge. That way you know 
you're in a no-load fund. But look, Rob, I mean, what most people should be doing for their first hundred to 250000 is just looking at total stock market index funds. And the no-load Like the Wilshire 5000? Um, Wilshire 5000 is the whole market. Right. But just um, there's like Vanguard has the Vipers. That's total stock market funds on both the international and domestic side, um, the no-load fund side. And, and you can go in and, and get ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, which are mutual funds that trade like stocks. Right. So you can look at the indexes. The internal fees are only about 0.08% per year. Extremely, extremely low cost. And there's a whole, you know, like a TD Ameritrade, for example, there's 100 different ETFs you can buy without even a trading cost. So getting, being able to invest in those types of funds is getting cheaper and cheaper. Which is great because that's one of the hindrances to performance mm-hmm. is uh, making mistakes absolutely will hinder your performance, but cost will hinder your performance. So you can eliminate one of the variables that will hurt you and try to go with as low fees as possible as far as the transactions and the funds you're choosing. Right, and that's why I say that, you know, indexing, I like both indexed and managed funds and individual stocks, but the way I tell people to start out is start off with the indexed approach because it's the lowest cost, the lowest tax issues that that you're going to deal with. And especially when you're investing mostly in equities when you're younger and you don't need the bonds. As people get older, though, we worry about downside protection as much as upside potential. Right. So you can't just be in index funds, in my opinion, when you retire. With that said, you work for New Focus Financial, and people could find you at newfocusfinancial.com. We've got about a minute left in conversation time. Is there anything else that we need to know about? Well, I guess where you look for the different types of funds, um, where I use my index funds and my index ETFs are for my large cap and my mid cap areas. Yeah. But if I'm going international emerging markets, I typically like to really do dig in, do the research, and find managed mutual funds. So, for example, you look at Japanese stock market right now, and it's drastically underperformed the U.S. stock market. They have debt issues. They have an aging population. But there's specific companies in, in Japan that are doing very well. So you don't want just necessarily an index fund there. You'd want a, a manage a manager with boots on the ground in that country. They know the currency issues. Um, same thing with China, Indonesia, uh, you know, all the different places where emerging markets are, where, you know, two-thirds of the economic growth probably over the next two two decades is going to come from. Well, that about clears everything up in my mind. I'm not sure about in everyone's mind. (laughs) A shares, B shares, C shares, which one should we choose? I think we hit it all there. I'm Rob Black. That's Chad Burton. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Facebook's taking a stand against ad blockers. How do you feel about that? And, you know, we want content in the world, but we don't want the commercials, or do you feel like if there's good content, you'll suffer the commercials and the advertising that goes with it? Um, pretty big drama in the world of, you know, should you have the rights to do that? Should you not have the rights to do that? Adblock Plus says Facebook's decision to block ad block users is anti-user. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. 800-516-1220. We have commercials for a reason, because they pay bills. Otherwise, you're going to be listening to a national feed from Bloomberg. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me online at robblackshow.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Shocking but true. 401k balance has increased very little in the last 10 years. That's the word balances. In 2015, the average balance was 96300 the median was 26,400. Between 2014 and 15, the average account balance was down 6% and the median down 11%. Uh, that could be tied to three factors. One is the adoption of auto enrollment, which increases participation. It also produces smaller balances. So it looks like 401ks aren't going anywhere as a group, but what's happening is we're actually opening up more 401ks to younger people. Um, markets essentially flat in 2015, so, you know, new people putting money in, uh, get slightly to sometimes lower to slightly to slightly higher results. Um, so anyway, I think it's worthy of note that auto enrollment can like skewer a statistic. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk real estate and mortgages. Um, I went through the process of a refi, which, you know, I thought I was finally done with all the refis in my ha- my life, but I did another one because rates dropped, you know, exponentially. Um, so I've gone from like a 4.7 mortgage down to a 3.8, down to a 3.2. So I get it. Number of foreclosures in America is set to an all-time low. Mortgage donations grew to $427 billion. About 83,000 individuals had a new foreclosure. Notation added to their credit reports between April 1 and June 30th. That's a new low in the 18-year history of data. I know you're saying, we've only got 18 years of, of foreclosure data. <laughs> Pretty crazy, huh? So I think the low interest rates are certainly helping. The labor market strengthening is certainly helping. And the quality of mortgages in the last couple of years is certainly helping. Let's talk a little bit more about this and other topics tied towards real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now... Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The first-time home buyer is an intimidating process. First and foremost, like you have to figure out how much can I afford and where should I buy and what's a good house, what's a bad house. Because trust me, the lessons you learn in life are from experience. They're not from books that you read, in my opinion. Even if it's books by someone who's experienced it, I don't think you're getting what you need to know. What I'm looking for in the next home I buy is different than what I'm looking for in the last home that I bought, which is different than the first home I bought. Uh, let's talk about that first-time home buyer, the virgin. What do we need to know about the virgin home buyer? Well, it's intimidating. Okay. And it's the largest purchase you'll ever make for most people. Right. Um, you start early, get pre-approved. I think that's definitely the first thing you do. And part of that, you're going to look at your credit. You're going to see if there's anything wrong with it, if you need to make some improvements or pay off some debt. Um, and a lot of people sometimes, they, you know, I worked with some buyers that took six years before they bought. And we had a plan, you know, fixing their credit. We need a little bit more income. They were self-employed, so they were writing off too much on their Schedule C. And it wasn't really transposing over uh, better. Of course, self-employed, they used to have the stated income. So there's a lot of products that are gone that first-time home buyers used to use to help qualify. Um, and there's some of those are coming back, just so you know. I'm going to give a, a little bit of um, light down the end of the tunnel. 
uh, some portfolio lenders are offering what they call start, uh, te- not start rate uh, qualifiers is what they're called. Okay. Um, in the past, they used to add two percentage points to what they call the qualifying rate. So there's some new products coming out. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But definitely look at your credit. Be open-minded as well. Um, you, you may not be able to buy in the area you're looking at because it's too expensive. Uh, and there's a reason why it's too expensive because that's where people want to live. So, you know, you may have to have a starter home. You may have to buy a condo or a townhouse um, if you want to stay in that area or buy a single family somewhere farther out. And then you got to look at, am I near a, a mass transit? Can I really handle driving an hour to work uh, one way? Um, but start, starting early is probably the first thing that I would really uh, want to tell these people that are looking to buy a house um, and get in front of professionals and don't trust everybody that you run into. There's a lot of information on the Internet that's going to confuse you. Right. Um, that's well, a whole stick, other topic in itself. Let's stick with the professionals one, that you can't always trust people. That's the frustrating one because, honestly, I can meet 10 realtors today and I'll like them all personally. But professionally, I'll like two or three of them. And that's a problem with people because we tend to not fall in love, but we tend to go with our, and, our and it's, emotions. Yeah, and it's not just with the finding a realtor. It's finding the right um, uh, loan source. Uh, whether you're going to the Internet or you're going to go to your bank where you have your checking and savings or you're going to go to a broker or you're going to a banker or you're going to a, a you know, who are you going to? And the frustration there is that you don't know who to trust. Um, the Internet's going to tell you who to trust, and you don't know if you can trust them. And there's so many websites out there that are going to confuse you. And I think that that's probably one of the things that the industry has changed the most in is that, just like it did in the car business, um, that the industry is not keeping up as fast as the Internet is. Um, There's uh, The the best way to do it is, in my opinion, is go to a broker that has multiple sources. So they run your credit once, and they can fit your product into one of the lenders that they work with, as opposed to going to a bank um, where you might have to shop several different banks just to find the bank that fits your scenario. So that's what I would do. I see a lot of people making the mistake of shopping loans, where they think if I contact another lender, he's going to give me another rate or a different rate. And they might, but they might be just teasing you just to get you in the door. You want to shop, You want to really shop a lender first of someone you could trust and someone who's got good referrals and someone who has right. the ability to go out and shop other loans for you. And not just offer a prepackage. Instead of trying to, you know, randomly get lucky, because when you try to randomly get lucky, they see that you've had a credit report pulled by another lender, and they say, "Yes, Mr. Black, whatever you say, Mr. Black, I've got this great loan for you, Mr. Black." Comes time to sign, you're like, "What are these fees? We didn't talk about these." Or you know, you get higher fees but lower rates, or you get higher rates. And and granted, fees. there are some many, many, many new rules that are protect that are set up to protect the buyer. Yeah. Um, they're not always executed the way they're supposed to and used to, to help the borrower. As a matter of fact, there are, there are uh, <laughs> some lenders actually came to us and told us how we can use the new rules to confuse the borrower and, and use it in our advantage. We're like, what are you talking about? Um, it, it's crazy how the industry is really trying to adapt to what the Fed is trying to mandate here. Um, and it, it makes it even more confusing in what the, the, the buyer, especially the first-time home buyer, is supposed to expect out of the transaction. Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You'll list Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Did you know that Olympic gold medals are taxed? Kind of sounds crazy, right? <laughs> you, you represent your country, and your country takes 
money from you. Okay, I kind of get it. It's not a little bit either. I think we've won something like 20 plus gold medals this year so far. You'll walk away with a big endorsement if you win gold, whether you're Michael Phelps or Kevin Durant. You gotta pay the tax, man. Even if you're representing your country like Simone Biles. The U.S. imposes taxes on a worldwide income of its citizens, so even if you're in Rio de Janeiro, you get taxed. Olympic athletes who win the medal pay the tax on the value of the medal, not the endorsements or there's, it's just the gold or the silver or the bronze. A gold medal has approximately a value of 564 bucks. Silver medal, $305. Now again, if you were to go on eBay, you could probably sell it for a heck of a lot more, right? Athletes take home bonuses for their wins though as well. Don't forget that's kind of in there. Um, so for the U.S. Olympic Committee, I think I'm saying that right, U.S. Olympic Committee, um, they'll give you $25,000 for each gold, 15000 for each silver, and 10000 for bronze. Other countries pay more, some pay less. Um, obviously, if you're representing a country that's never won gold, they may have, you know, interest in you aggressively. What's crazy is all the travel expenses, the coaches, the equipment, are those deductions. And that gets kind of goofy, where just talking about it makes my head spin and explode. Do you treat it as a hobby, or do you treat it as a job? And if you're treating it as a job, and you're making, you know, 560 bucks for a gold medal, um, some people would say you're a little loco in the cocoa for doing that, right? Uh, So there's some problems there. I hope you see that. So... And the tax system is not the easiest thing in the world to chit-chat about. Number of foreclosures in America is at an all-time low. We talked a little bit about that. Now, again, that's an 18-year low because we've only been keeping statistics for that long. Netflix is in the news. There's an article in the New York Times, which I think is a great read, um, about there's just too many TV shows. The great scripted TV boom is showing no signs of abating. Now is a great time to be a writer for a TV show because there's a lot of TV shows looking to hire people. In 2015, there were 417 scripted TV shows, nearly double the 210 that were on the air in 2009. So in six years, they've doubled the number of shows. This year, there's going to be somewhere between 430 and 450. Now, I'm trying to get into the show Stranger Things on Netflix. I don't watch a lot of TV. But I hear it's all that in a bucket of chicken, and it's kind of got an 80s throwback feel to it. And it even has 80s throwback chick Winona Ryder in it. Um... But to me, it really has to be great. And I'm not thinking it's all, like, there's just too many TV shows. So you're going to see the supply be too much. And when the demand's not there, all those writers are going to go to the unemployment line. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money invested more. We can talk about Burger King's advent of a hamburger dressed up as a burrito. Or Pepsi's revival of an eerily clear cola. Kitchens around the fast food industry always have to be drumming up some sort of new idea. Sun Power shares are dropping 30% of its power plant struggles. That's worthy of note. Um, and you take a look at some of these... Um, I guess story stocks a couple of years ago, this was a sexy stock. So not so much in this day and age. You know, one that I still find particularly troubling is Gap. Um, and I say that because Gap, if you go back to the 1990s, was a pretty sexy story, a retailer. They had a CEO named Mickey Drexler who was a legend. They had some hit products like Capri Pants, which uh probably not so stylish today. It's like cargo shorts. They come in style. They go out of style. And, you know, I throw that out there for whatever reason. Uh But particularly I throw that out there to tell you that sometimes these stocks that seemed incredibly investable at one time, suddenly aren't. And as an investor, you always have to be honest with yourself and make sure that you're doing everything you can to, you know, at least ask the questions on, uh, should I be invested in this or not? Will Disney hit a point where what it's creating is no longer resonating with investors or with consumers? You know, did people see Barbie going down, well, I'm not going to say, bent over the toilet throwing up with bulimia. Um, did people see Barbie, you know, fading as far as relevance in the U.S.? And then, oddly enough, it's got a great life in other countries. So, it's all worthy of note <laughs> out there, if you were to ask me. Uh, so, Sun Power was a great story concept. Hey, we're going to... Uh, use the sun and you just, you gotta figure out a way to make money with it. And you can't always count on the U.S. government to be that, you know, savior as far as tax credits go. Which again, that's something that people have some weird, some hardcore problems with, uh, Elon Musk is that a lot of his businesses basically count on government handouts. Consumer review website operator Yelp, their quarterly revenue rose bigger than expected, 29%. Woo! Um, investment in sales and marketing led to more business and consumers signing up for its services. It's funny. There's some apps that I don't think I could live without. One of them's Yelp and Open Table. When you go to a new city, whether you're visiting or driving through, uh, there used to be a day and age when you were driving, you know, maybe from San Francisco to L.A. with your dad and you'd pull over and you didn't know what was where as far as fast food choices or food choices. 
I particularly like beer pubs, brew pubs. And they're popping up everywhere. And it's nice to have Yelp so that when you're driving, you can see in the next city, do they have one or not? But I can't get wildly excited about Yelp. I still think that's a company that's going to be a division of Google or Apple down the road. Um, Self-driving in the spotlight yet again in China. And a self-driving feature that was on autopilot. Uh, the driver saying that the sales staff sold the function is self-driving and not autopilot or whatever they're supposed to be doing, overplaying its actual capabilities. Tesla saw the data, and um, the company is investigating. It said that it was the driver's responsibility to maintain control of the vehicle. It said the driver's hands were not detected on the steering wheel. The crash, which is Tesla's first in China, comes months after a fatal accident in Florida which put a lot of pressure on the industry. Now, it's what, interesting to say this. Like, I think we've had two or three notable crashes with the autopilot, of which all of them could have been avoided had the driver been paying attention or have higher reaction skills. But that's going to be the tough thing about autopilot was when you do buy into that it works, you kind of relax and assume that it works. It's like getting on a roller coaster, jumping out of a plane. You kind of assume the parachute's going to work so you don't stress about it. And when it doesn't, it's a disaster. So what's interesting to note about all of this is, I wonder how many people died yesterday because someone was texting. I wonder how many people died in car crashes yesterday because how many people were you know, involved with drunks, DUIs. I don't know. I guarantee it's more than the three big notable ones that Tesla has to continually go up against. Apple's next MacBook Pro lineup might include significant changes. So we're getting to that time. The iPhone 7 is going to go on, well, not going to go on sale, but it's going to be announced September 7th. So people are starting to like go, hey, I wonder what the MacBook Pro is going to look like. Uh, Apple saw sales of Macs, including the MacBook Pro, rise about 6% in the last fiscal year iPads, not so much. So the MacBook Pro doing very well. The uh, It's worthy of note. So it's one of the products that's still growing nicely nicely for them. There's a Pokemon Go account selling for $999,999 on eBay. Now, certainly no one's going no to pay that. But some people do pay a couple thousand dollars. There's some accounts that are being sold for over 11000 That's to me ridiculous, but what am I going to do? You know how many people have been shot playing Pokemon because people think that they're videotaping you? Probably more people have been shot playing Pokemon than have died with the autopilot feature with Tesla. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.